0: Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges, and this is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is a podcast where we're looking at the Word of God. We're studying the Bible, and our purpose is to know God. Not just know about God, but know God. Now, in order to fully know Him, we need to know about Him, and He has given us so much information in His Word. So our desire is to be followers of Christ, so we need to know what Christ has said. We are working our way through the book of 1 John, And we've made it to chapter 5, the final chapter of this book. And today we're looking at verses 6 through 8 of chapter 5. And this is episode 41. Now last time we were looking at verse 5 and John finished with this question, Who is the one who conquers the world but the one that believes that Jesus is the Son of God? So who's the conqueror? It's the one that believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Now he's going to go on and talk about why we should believe. There's evidence to believe. It's not just a blind faith. It's not just a blind belief. It's not just believing something because we've been told. There's evidence. Now evidence is often used as a legal term. And we believe based on evidence, based on testimony, based on people who testify. Now those are all legal terms, and that's what John is using here. There is evidence, and that evidence comes in the way of testimony from witnesses. So in verses 6 through 12, he's going nine times use the word testify or testimony to speak about. There's reasons to believe. There is evidence as to who Jesus is. So let's uh, dive into it here. Let's read verses 6 through 8. Jesus Christ, he is the one who came by water and blood, not by water only, but by water and by blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit the water, and the blood, and these three are in agreement. So here we see testimony, testify, bringing evidence to the fact that Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Son of God. We should believe based on the testimony. So he begins with, well, who's the one who conquers? The one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. He's going to talk about who that is, Jesus Christ, the one who came by water and blood. What does that mean? Well, there's been a lot of theories over time and a lot of ideas about what it means. Um, some have said, was well, referring to baptism and the Lord's Supper. Well, that doesn't really make sense based on the letter. It, it would make sense if you're just trying to apply it to church tradition as we understand it but that doesn't make sense in the letter. Uh, some would say he's referring to the crucifixion, where as Jesus was uh, on the cross, and after he had died, to make sure he was dead, uh, one of the soldiers stuck a spear in his side, and out came water and blood. And that's what's referring to. Again, that doesn't really fit the, the letter. Others say it's just referring to the, the Jesus, as a a man, as a person, he was uh, born of water, but then died, uh, referring to the blood. And and that would somewhat make sense, because when Jesus had this discussion with Nicodemus back in uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 3, Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. And Nicodemus said, well, how how does that work? Jesus answered in verse 5, chapter 3. Truly I tell you, unless someone is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. They're referring to being born of water as physical birth. And his point is, there has to be a spiritual birth. You must be born again. That would make sense, uh, but I don't think it fits best in the context of the letter. I think the best explanation is it's referring to Jesus' baptism and his death. Being born of water is baptism, and then the death is the reference to the blood. Now this makes sense because who John is countering. He's talking about the antichrists, the false teachers, those who are spreading the lies about Jesus, that Jesus was just a man, but the Christ spirit is something different and that the, uh, Jesus became the Christ when the Christ Spirit descended upon him at his baptism. And that would make sense about, he came not by water only, but by water and the blood. The point here being that these proto the Antichrist, are saying, but the Spirit of Christ left the man Jesus when he was on the cross, before he died, because Christ cannot die. And here John's countering that, saying, no, no, the baptism was important, but so is his death. The death of Jesus is vitally important. That's the point of the gospel, is that Jesus died for our sins. Jesus, the Christ, died for our sins. If there is no death of Christ, there is no atonement for sin. The whole amazing mystery of the gospel is that God himself took our sins upon himself and died on the cross to satisfy his own demand for a death penalty. And that because of that incredible love, that incredible mercy, we could experience the forgiveness of sin. None of that makes sense if the Christ spirit left the man Jesus. And that's why John's saying, okay, he, he didn't just come at his baptism where he started his public ministry, but his death so he came not just by water, but also by blood. Then he says the, the Spirit is the one who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. Here we have that word testify. Now the, the Greek word for testimony is, is martis. That's where we get the word martyr. Somebody who is a witness. Is a, <laughs> Those are the martyrs, the ones who were witnesses for Christ. And the verb marturo is is just a um, it's the same word in a verb form. But that's what he's talking about here, the, the testimony, testify. And here the Holy Spirit is the one who gives testimony, who testifies because he is the spirit of truth. Let's go back to the, the Gospel of John. As Jesus is promising the coming of the Holy Spirit, John 15, verse 26. He says, when the counselor comes, the one I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth. Who proceeds from the father he will testify about me and john's saying that's what happened the holy spirit has come and he does testify about jesus he is the spirit of truth he does give testimony to who jesus is now, how's that work how does he give this testimony this truth well one is the word of god we say that the holy spirit is the one who brought about the writing of the scripture, the preservation of the scripture, and even as we read the scripture, the Holy Spirit's involved in that. So through the Bible itself, the Holy Spirit is involved. But then there's also the direct work of the Holy Spirit on our heart. The Holy Spirit touches us at a heart level, convicts us of sin, convicts us of the truth of the gospel. So the Holy Spirit testifies about the truth of who Jesus is. Then in verse 7, he says, for there are three that testify. Here we have the word testify again. Verse 8, the spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three are in agreement. So here he's uh, personifying the water and the blood. And say, okay, you got three pieces of evidence, not just pieces of evidence, but uh, testimonies. The Holy Spirit, the water, the blood. Now, he's probably looking back to Deuteronomy, uh, Deuteronomy 1915, which talked about you needed two or three witnesses to verify, to establish truth in, in a trial. And so he's saying we got three here, the spirit, the water, and the blood. These three are in agreement. We can trust the truth of who Jesus is. And he's going to go on the next few verses and talk more about the testimony. Now, depending on what Bible you're using, you may have noticed something odd here. We have something called the Johannine comma. Johannine is just talking about the things of John. Comma is Greek word that means sentence or clause. If you look at the King James Bible, you'll notice there's some extra stuff in there as opposed to most modern translations. The passage I read from the Christian Standard Bible here, uh, verses 7 and 8, said, For there are three that testify, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and these three are in agreement. But If you look at the King James Bible, it says, For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. And there are three that bear witness in earth, the Spirit, and the water, and the blood, and these three agree in one. So what's going on here? Is the uh, new versions of the Bible, are they soft on the Trinity? Because there's a definite passage here about the Trinity. And if you're talking about three witnesses, uh, that would be a good place to include the Trinity. Well, that's uh, part of the the science of, of biblical translation and transmission, is what's original. Now, that in the King James Bible... That uh, hard Trinity uh, testimony there, is it true? Yeah, yeah, it's true. The question is is it original? Just because something is true doesn't mean John wrote that in his letter. So if we look at that actual clause, that comes out of the translations of the Bible that come from what we call the Texas Receptus, which was uh, the Greek New Testament, which was assembled in the 1500s. The problem is that that Johannine comma, that clause, which the King James Version has, which the modern versions don't have, the oldest manuscripts we can find that have that date to the 600s, and they're in Latin. The oldest Greek manuscripts date back to 1400. So prior to the time where they're really starting to Uh, assembled Greek New Testaments, we don't have any Greek manuscripts that actually have those words in them. And it was never quoted by the church fathers, that is those uh, leaders of the church in the first few centuries, who we have copious amounts of writing from them. All the, the correspondence and the public arguments they had defending things like the Trinity, the Council of Nicaea in 325. The Council of Chalcedon 451. The issue of the Trinity was a big part of that and there's a great arguments defending the Trinity. Had this been part of 1st John you would have thought they would have said look what John wrote but they don't. And so the best evidence is this clause was not in the original letter that John wrote in 1st John. Statement's true but it's probably not original. The statement was in some manuscripts, but they were primarily Latin. And, and it appears that this was taken from some Latin manuscripts and then back translated into Greek to come up with a Greek manuscript. Erasmus, who was a, a scholar who did a lot of work building a Greek New Testament, his first two editions of in the New Testament in Greek did not include this clause, but he was attacked viciously by some people saying, hey, why are you leaving that out? And he said, I have no evidence for it. And then finally somebody came up with a Greek manuscript which included that in it, and under intense pressure he finally included it in his third edition. And that led to the Stephanos edition, which led to Textus Receptus. So it's while it's a true statement, it's most uh, likely not part of the original First John. So, the whole point here that John's making is, who's the one that conquers? The one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. And who is this Jesus? The Christ. He is the Christ, and you can believe it because there's evidence for it. We have the evidence of the Holy Spirit. We have the evidence of his baptism and his death and he's going to go on to talk more about the the testimony that we can believe that Jesus is the Christ Jesus is the Son of God and that's vitally important to our faith because if what the Bible says is not true then all the things we're believing about the atonement for sin doesn't make sense but we can believe that it's true we can believe because of the Holy Spirit, because of the historical fact of who Jesus is and what he did and what he said. Well, thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through First John.